Support for IPR comes from Hands in Harmony, a therapeutic healthcare facility with a splash of spa and a team of holistic healers to help in the quest for health, harmony, and happiness. Cedar Rapids and Mount Vernon. Classes, massage, and more at myhih.com. It's River to River from IPR News. I'm Ben Kiefer. This hour, all about cars and driving, with the emphasis on driving safely. Later in the hour, we want to focus on the new innovations you find perhaps in your car, um, all those things that warn you not to get into uh, a lane, to change lanes perhaps. Uh, those are very handy. The uh, cameras in the back of our cars now also very handy. Learning about the cutting edge of uh, self-driving and semi-autonomous cars, that later in the program. And I want to ask our guest uh, later uh, in this day and age, who's the better, safer driver, human or computers. Uh, we'll hang that out there for answer uh, later. Dan McGee is with us the entire hour, professor in the College of Engineering. He's also director of the Driving Safety Research Institute at the University of Iowa. Dan, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Ben. Great to be back. Some may be confused because we've always introduced you before as the director of the National Advanced Driving Simulator. That has not gone away, has it? It has not. Uh, the National Advanced Driving Simulator remains uh, the home of uh, the work that we do. Uh, we have, for over 30 years now, been doing very broad-based uh, vehicle safety and uh, driving safety research. And last month, after a, a period of view review, we uh, went forward and changed uh, to a proper institute, but we're still the home of the National Advanced Driving Simulator. Okay, very good. Um, listeners, we want to have your input this hour, because a little bit later, uh, we'll be uh, talking about, of course, distracted driving. But um, yeah, weigh in on whether you're in favor of more restrictions on cell phone, um, on uh, smartphone use by drivers. Why or why not? And uh, has distracted driving by someone using a smartphone caused a crash that involved you or someone you know? We'd love to hear about that if you could share it. one 780 9100 1-866-780-9100. Or if you choose, email us, river to river at iowapublicradio.org. Before we get to the specific legislation, uh, Dan, let's um, discuss distracted driving uh, as a major cause of car crashes. Uh, according to the Iowa State Patrol, in my reading, distracted driving caused one in five car crashes in the state in 2021. Um, we have uh, legislation restricting cell phone use by drivers being considered at the state house. Before we talk about that, let's get to the basics of distracted driving because it, it certainly predates uh, smartphones and cell phones, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Driver attention has always been a major cause for crashes over the years. Uh, driving is still, uh, has always been inherently boring, especially as we tootle along the Iowa countryside across I-80 uh, and other uh, roadways. Uh, we get bored pretty quickly and we want to start doing secondary things. And that's where things go wrong. Mm -hmm. So when we, let's see, a lot of distractions on our dashboard, there may be distractions in the back seat. There may be kids who are bored too, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So we characterize uh, driver distraction across several ways. There's visual distraction where your eyes are off of the road, mm -hmm. uh, which is a critical piece of, of driving. We have what's called visual and manual uh, distraction, which means that you're actually looking off the road and you're manipulating, say, a smartphone or tuning the radio 
uh, where your eyes are off the road and your hand is off the road, um, or excuse me, your hand is um, off the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us more about the number of crashes uh, where we know or we surmise uh, distracted driving is a major factor. As you mentioned, the state patrol here in Iowa is, puts about one in five, but it's pretty difficult to actually measure that uh, because we know it's underreported. The last thing that you want to do when you're in a crash is to tell a a trooper or a police officer, oh, yeah, I was distracted with my smartphone. Uh, And also uh, a very small percentage of crashes are uh, police reported. Uh, So you really start to whittle away at the amount of information that's out there to actually calculate that number. Mm -hmm. Okay. But we do have some data there. I I guess... since the advent of cell phones and smartphones, uh, is there a way to track that? I mean, the difference before uh, we had the digital age uh, in a little box in our hands, in our pocket, uh, and and now, um, is there a way to track it that way, an uptick? Yeah, well, it's hard to, you know, actually, I mean, in some fatal crashes, the state patrol or the reconstructing law enforcement agency can go back and and actually take a look at your phone to see if it was uh, active uh, around the time of a crash. That certainly happens, but only in fatal crashes here in Iowa. Really? Uh, but outside of that, it's pretty difficult to get at that information. The current day and age uh, reminds me, as I'm sure it does uh, you, of uh, you know back in the 60s, 70s, 80s when um, uh, driving under the influence uh, uh, mothers Against Drunk Driving was a, a topic in our news quite a bit. So I wonder, completely different things, but they do affect driving safety. Do we know how smartphone use um, um, contributes to um, driving crashes, um, impaired driving compared to the influence of alcohol? Is that a comparison can can even be made? Yeah, like I said, it's it's much easier when alcohol is involved because it's measurable at the scene, mm-hmm. and uh, there are a number of other factors. Uh, when you compare driver inattention due to smartphone use, it tends to be much more episodic in the sense that you're looking away at that moment, so you're mm-hmm. not sustainably impaired like you are with alcohol or other drugs. So it's really sort of that moment that you're um, looking away and manipulating the phone. Mm-hmm. What is the current law when it comes to cell phone, uh, smartphone use while driving? So in Iowa, it's not legal to use the cell phone while driving, but it is legal uh, to use it for other uh, aspects. So navigation, for instance, which makes it very difficult to enforce. In fact, it's really not enforced because of that. Um, the state patrol and others found fairly quickly after that law was passed that people just would say, I was, you know, using my GPS on my phone. What was that like three or four years ago that that yeah, legislation, something like that. that? Yeah. I mean, we started uh, testifying at uh, hearings in Des Moines over 10 years ago about mm-hmm. making a complete hands-free law uh, along with the state patrol. Um, but, um, you know, oftentimes legislation is incremental and I we're hoping this year that it finally passes. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we compare right now with other states? Because 50 states, what, 50 different set of laws on this, do, don't, don't yeah, they? Yeah. I haven't looked at the what most recent is, but still probably the majority uh, are still have a lot of ambiguities in the law. Okay. So I mentioned legislation being considered that would restrict using a 
smartphone uh, or any other electronic device while driving unless it's hands-free or voice activated. I understand, you know, these bills can be fine-tuned as they work their way through the process. Mm -hmm. This particular Senate bill that I've referenced here made it through, I think, the Transportation Committee in the Senate back in January. Uh, I think some exceptions there, um, exceptions for first responders using their phones for work, uh, anyone if you would have to report an emergency or for people driving farm equipment. Uh, you mentioned the Iowa State Patrol. They are backing this legislation, I think have for, for years, mm-hmm. that would enforce hand-free driving. When you testify in Des Moines before lawmakers, what are your messages? Well, really, it's important for uh, people to understand what distraction is and what the dangers are. So in Iowa, and particularly in rural North America, you know, most of the fatalities occur on rural roads where they tend to be higher speeds, but they're not forgiving. When you drop a wheel, um, uh, you tend to overcorrect, and so that distraction will cause a drift in the road. And so in rural America, you generally will drop off the edge and then overcorrect and lose control, hit a culvert, hit a tree, uh, and so forth. So it's uh, very unforgiving. Right, or hit another car. Or I interviewed car. Uh, right, right where you are sitting, Dan. I interviewed a woman a number of years ago in the Cedar Rapids area. The mother of uh, beautiful children at a stop sign on a rural road uh, was rear-ended um, by uh, a man in a pickup truck on his cell phone. Yes. And the um, there were fatalities uh, involved here, and uh, they looked at his cell phone. He did not even break. Right, he, yeah. Yeah, you that's, probably know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, that's very common what we see uh, when we reconstruct crashes as part of what we do. Uh, there are any number of crashes where there's absolutely no response from the driver once they're engaged with their smartphone. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the specific legislation backed by the Iowa State Tr- Patrol, um, uh, backed by, I suppose, y- your research here. How much safer could this uh, make our driving, um, being out on our roads and highways, because by making it hands-free or voice-activated doesn't eliminate it completely as a distraction. It doesn't say we're going to pay more attention. It what? It changes it a bit, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, it's uh, not a risk-free operation because we still have to either dial or pick up our phones, uh, which is also that visual manual distraction that I was talking about. Um, And there's also sort of the thinking component when we're on the phone. You know, if you're in a highly charged conversation, the cognitive distraction that's involved in that can also be pretty uh, distracting. Right. And and when we have a passenger, a real person in our uh, passenger seat, we're having uh, an energetic conversation with, uh, they are having the same experience we are, right? Right. Uh, Unlike someone on 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 a cell phone. Right, and I think that's a really important distinction is that the person that's sitting next to you is in the context of the drive. So if a car suddenly breaks in front of you, yeah. they will adjust their conversation versus the person who's on the phone doesn't see that context and sort of you uh, blast through that dangerous situation. Yeah, right. Everybody knows when when I'm driving and I'm like uh, right outside of O'Hare Airport yes. in rush driving. Good example. D- 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 don't, don't talk to me yeah. too much. Just let me focus on my driver. Yes. <laughs> right? And, and any thinking passenger would know 
um, you know, and would wish for themselves uh, if they were the driver. This is time to, to bear down, focus, give us our, our full attention because this is uh, where it counts. Uh, we have to take a break in just a moment. Um, so, so in a word or two, how much safer could this make our roads and, and highways, this legislation? Well, it's hard to put numbers to these things because there's lots of things that cause crashes. And, uh, you know, we can have a bad weather year. All those things can go into that. But, you know, it's just one piece of helping reduce the overall fatality point. So anything we can do is going to help. Okay, we'll be back in just a moment. Dan McGeehee, professor of uh, engineering in the UI College of Engineering, director of the Driving Safety Research Institute at the UI. We'd love to have your input this uh, this hour. Um, are you in favor of more restrictions on smartphone use by drivers? Why? Why not? Perhaps uh, distracted driving by someone using a phone has caused a crash that involved you or someone you know. Join us. one 866 Back in just a moment. Support for IPR comes from Hands in Harmony, a therapeutic healthcare facility with a splash of spa and a team of holistic healers to help in the quest for health, harmony, and happiness. Cedar Rapids and Mount Vernon. Classes, massage, and more at myhih.com. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Back with more River to River from IPR News, I'm Ben Kiefer, talking this hour about distracted driving and more specifically legislation currently being considered at our state house that would restrict using a phone or any electronic device while driving unless it's hands-free or voice-activated. There would be some exceptions under uh, the bills being debated. First responders, for instance, uh, would be able to use their phones for work. Anyone reporting an emergency, those would be some of the exceptions. Dan McGeehee with us for the entire hour professor of engineering at the University of Iowa, director of the Driving Safety Research Institute at the UI, and we welcome your calls. If you're, um, you know, somehow maybe your life has been affected by distracted driving or you just want to weigh in on this legislation that um, would however much make our roads and highways more safe, uh, safer for other vehicles, uh, for bicyclists. We'll talk about that more specifically. Safer for pedestrians a- as well. 1-866-780-9100. 1-866-780-9100. Or email us, river to river at iowapublicradio.org. Dan, I'm going to pose this question a little bit differently this time. Let's say politics removed, and we cannot do a hypothetical realistically with politics mm-hmm. removed, but purely from science and the research that, that you've done on safety and driving, what would be the best way to deal with cell phones uh, while driving in our cars? If you could just dictate that with only safety in mind. Well, we're actually seeing some of the smartphone manufacturers like Apple and others uh, that automatically know when you are moving in a car and yeah. essentially locks out the phone. Yes. And that can be very uh, important because it's uh, somewhat difficult to figure out how to turn that off. And if that's the default, then you're going to get more and more people not you know, using their phone. Um, and certainly people can figure out how to do that. 
But we essentially want the phone not to be active when you're driving. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go to a caller. Philip is joining us, one 780 Philip joining us from Brit, it says on my screen. Welcome, Philip. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, sir? Oh, good. I'm good. I really enjoy your show. Thank you. What's on your mind today, Philip? Well, I got to thinking, you know, distracted driving is such a terrible problem. You would think that the car manufacturers could somehow design a vehicle with a, a slot in the dashboard that is linked up with the phone, of the, the phone number of the individual that owns the vehicle. And in order to get the car to run, you'd have to put your phone in the slot. <laughs> and effectively turn your phone into a key. Ooh, so, interesting. Well, I think you should patent that, Philip. <laughs> yeah, I'm no, I'm no engineer. No, 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 well, no. well, let's throw that, in. Dan. Thanks, Philip, for your call from Britt. Uh, what do you think of that idea? I mean, uh, car, car. How many people have been busy with this, this problem? Right. Yes. You know, and I think it's really getting at the same principles that uh, uh, Philip is absolutely right. We want to disable the phone while we're driving, and that's one solution is to put it in that slot. But uh, unfortunately, people. Uh, Uh, or using the smartphone for all sorts of things these days, and that's pretty hard to do. But Mm. uh, like I said, if we can just lock it out uh, with as many people as possible, that's one step. Tom is joining us, I think, from his truck, uh, safely calling us, uh, I think, uh, uh, near Arlington. Uh, Tom, welcome to the program. Thank you. Yeah, what what is your Uh, input here? As someone who, it sounds like, uh, from what I'm seeing on the description on my screen, you spend a lot of time on the road professionally. Yes, sir, 40 to 60 hours a week, and it's just literally amazing how many people are out here texting and driving and on their phones. And uh, I had a couple of quick observations that that prior caller was talking about. I I have ELDs, which DOT requires us to run electronic logs, and it monitors every mile I, I run. But I can only access that and change my status when I'm at a complete stop. So the technology is already out there to limit access to these different apps and programs. It's just a matter of getting somebody to act and implement it. And I think I told the young lady when I called in, you know, from my perspective, I, I would rather I would rather see a drunk driver than a person texting and driving because the similarities in the driving is just amazing. I mean, they speed up, they slow down, they swerve, they go across the lines, they don't pay any attention. But at least if you're drunk, you know you're drunk and you're making an extra hard effort. These people that are texting and going down the road, I'm telling you, they don't have a clue. I've had them, I've honked my air horn at them when they go by me, and I'll have them throw their phone in the back seat or slam under brakes. I mean, they're just completely out of it. Yeah, yeah, we, we all see it, uh, uh, Tom. We all see, you know, people just not paying attention. Dan, can you remind us, and you've shared this statistic before, is let's say you're doing 60 or 70 on the highway. You take your eyes off the road as a driver for X number of seconds, and you are very quickly, uh, you know, one football field, two football field lengths, right? Right. I mean, if you're at highway speed, you're going, you know, 92 to 95 feet per second. Uh, You know, 60 miles an hour is 88 feet per second. If you're driving 80 on 80, uh, you're, you know, traveling the length of uh, Kinnick Stadium pretty quickly in just a matter of a couple, three seconds. Uh, 
and, and so it's fast. Yep. Yeah, and Tom, as a truck driver, you you as you shared, you you get to observe a, a lot of this too. And you you do you drive through different states? So we're you know we're contending with the states with different laws here. I don't know if you as a truck driver have to be aware of it. Uh, I I assume you're you're um, employing the the safest methods to make calls as a driver. I, I am I am from Minnesota, but I and I primarily drive Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, and. Minnesota has the hands-free law now, but I, I, I mean, everywhere you go, you still see it. And being up high, it's so easy to see when somebody passes or goes by you, whether or not that you know they're using their phone. And uh, so, like yeah. I said, you see it multiple, multiple times every single day. Tom, safe driving. Thanks for calling in with your experience. We appreciate it. Thank you for taking my call. Sure okay. thing. You too. Uh, let's just hop to Sue in Marion. Hi, Sue. Welcome to the program. What's your take on this? Well, I, uh, I was telling the girl, I don't disagree with what you're saying, that texting and driving is a problem, and I have seen people reading books while driving down the highway. So people are just stupid. That's, I mean, it just it, we just are. But here in Iowa, we need to be a little more cognizant of you know what's really dangerous you can put a child you can put a toddler on a motorcycle with no helmet no safety equipment no seat belt no car seat no nothing and put them on a motorcycle and drive down the interstate with them perfectly legal here in iowa yeah okay uh, so there are a lot of stupid yeah. things happening yeah there is we're focusing on one Stupid thing, to put it in your words, though, Sue. Thank you very much. Yeah, but I think, Sue, that's uh, something that's very rare versus, you know, us using our smartphones as something that we do almost continuously throughout the day. Yeah. Uh, Mark is joining us from Pleasantville. Hi, Mark. Thanks for calling in. Um, actually, it's Pleasant Hill. Pleasant Hill. Nevertheless. Uh, Sorry. Thank you. Nevertheless, uh I uh, had my car impacted uh, actually while leaving a parking lot where I work. One of the things that I've noticed is everybody gets out of work at the same time. They climb in their vehicles. Now, if you have a museum piece phone like mine, you don't have any choice but to just drive your car. But a lot of people start the vehicle and get their phone out and apparently are driving out of the parking lot uh, on autopilot. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's the addictive nature of the darn things uh, that you're trying to counteract, and you're going to have to – I don't know how we change people's minds. I guess that's the point I'm attempting to make. Ultimately, in my particular case, it uh, resulted in $1,500 out of my pocket. The guy could afford to keep his cell phone working, but didn't buy car insurance. Uh, huh. so, yeah, I hope there were no injuries. So fifth, you, you were a, a family member, friend. No, you're not no a, we were not moving a, like four or five mile an hour. So, yeah, you yeah, know, excellent. It, yeah. it was minor damage to the back of the car. We were actually kind of piled up at a stoplight, but apparently somebody, as I joke about it, was updating his Facebook page and forgot that uh, the line had stopped. Yeah. Okay. Mark, we're sure glad no one was injured. Thank you, thank you for, for sharing your story from Pleasant Hill. Get it right this time, Ben. Got it. Mark, thanks. 
Yeah, one thing that I think he keyed in on was sort of the addiction part of this. And there's some really interesting research that's been repeated uh, a number of times that shows that uh, similar to the physiological responses to other addiction, be it drugs or other, you can put someone's cell phone across the room in a table and have it vibrate and, and go off or ring. And your physiological um, elements of your body change quickly. Your heart rate increases, respiration increases, and so forth. Uh, so it's something you can measure. Yeah, it sure is. And just you know, the think of uh, when you're talking with to someone with a cell phone, or if you do some self reflection, you can have something so captivating on your cell phone that it, it's not an exaggeration to say the rest of the world disappears. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so that's just the nature of of Mm -hmm. us as humans. Uh, Let's add to this conversation uh, Mark Wyatt. Mark is the executive director of the Iowa Bicycle Coalition. Welcome to the program, Mark. Thank you, Ben. Okay, anyone who regularly bikes, myself included, knows what uh, a hazard drivers with cell phones, uh, smartphones present. But uh, you tell us, because you keep track of this data, um, what is the hazard specifically to to bicyclists that we've seen with the advent of uh, this technology in our hands, in our pockets, in our cars? Well, we've certainly seen some tragedies that have happened over the past several years. Uh, There was uh, one uh, distracted driving case in... uh, in 2021 and one uh, significant distracted driving case in 2020. Uh, In 2021, Andrew Pavlich, uh, 36-year-old father of two, uh, was was biking to his work at uh, about 6 in the morning on a a sunny day and hit from uh, behind from a 16-year-old motorist who was actively using a uh, cell phone or some sort of social media app while she was driving, um, according to the police reports. Um, and then, of course, uh, in 2020, Ellen Bankston, a 28-year-old uh, chemical engineer from Charles City, uh, was struck and killed. Uh, the driver was actively using uh, or actively looking at a no- notification from Facebook for a boat for sale and uh, didn't even know he hit Ellen at the time. Mm. Um, the disappointing part for that, uh, in that particular case is that since he wasn't manually manipulating his phone, like the current law, uh, requires, uh, the judge threw out that case before it ever saw a jury, uh, despite him admitting on video that he was, uh, using his phone while driving and distracted while he killed Ellen. Um, that still didn't make it to, to court, and, and no justice yeah. was found there. Mark Wyatt, I know you uh, regularly uh, lobby at the uh, State House. What specifically are you lobbying now um, in regard to distracted driving uh, on behalf of the Iowa Bicycle Coalition? Yeah, so we're working with a variety of groups um, on the hands-free and uh, uh, voice-activated mode requirements while driving. And so we're trying to close some of those gaps that we saw in, in the Ellen Bankston case in Charles City um, and uh, have some, some better legislation that have come forward to uh, uh, meet uh, kind of the technology demands uh, that uh, drivers are facing right now. Yeah. I want to play a little bit of audio from a, a gentleman um, uh, I interviewed back in January, have um, interviewed him a number of times, most recently in January, survivor of a near-fatal bike uh, car crash in Iowa in 2019. Uh, he um, 
uh, was likely caused by a driver distracted by her cell phone. Uh, Guillermo Romano Ibarra is his name. I spoke with him back in January most recently. Despite having lights and other visible accessories on his bike, the driver did not even realize she had hit a human. Let's listen to part of my conversation with Guillermo. And so this was a case where she just didn't notice that there was a cyclist there. In fact, when she hit me, she thought she had hit a deer. And so um, she actually pulled over to check on the animal and see if she needed to call um, the police to put down the animal. Yeah. And so she found out that it was actually a person, and that was me, and I'd been riding my bike. And so she didn't realize what she had hit. So, um, you know, I would say that falls into this idea of being a distracted driver. And I'm not entirely sure what was the cause of the distraction. Um, The police investigation showed that there had been some cell phone use um, about a minute or two before she hit me. They'd been, um, there was another person in the car so it was unclear as to who was using the cell phone. But ultimately, the the result was the same. The result was um, that she didn't notice me. Mm-hmm. During that interview with Guillermo in January, um, by the way, he still uses a wheelchair at work. And this is over two years, what, coming up on three years later. He came into the studio that day using a cane. Here he describes his injuries right after the accident. The crash. The back of my essentially where my buttocks is, was torn up. It looked like a shark bite or a saber-toothed tiger swipe, uh, which is where the car had hit me. And so that's on the surface. That was kind of the most dramatic one. There was a lot of blood. There was um, stuff everywhere. But then I was also, my pelvis had been broken, and then my spine was broken too. Okay. There's someone who escaped uh, with his life there, but will be permanently, is permanently disabled for the rest of his uh, life. Mark Wyatt, how many stories are out there like uh, Guillermo's here in Iowa, across the nation? You know, a lot. In fact, I'm looking at uh, the DOT crash statistics, and in that 2020 and 2021 years that I, I we've talked about three different crashes that have happened to, to bicyclists, there were 2,000 crashes uh, that involved motors and pedestrians and everybody else. And of that, about uh, just a little less than a 1,000, there were injuries. So uh, uh, 14 people have died in those past two years that, that we're talking about. So it's not just bicyclists, but this affects Iowa society as a whole. Yeah. We have to go to break. Mark, hang on after the break, uh, through the break with us, if you would. Uh, Mark Wyatt is with us of the... Uh, Uh, Iowa Bicycle Coalition, Dan McGeehee, Director of the Driving Safety Research Institute at the University of Iowa, talking about distracted driving. Uh, An email uh, from someone who responded to that um, interview with Guillermo. Um, Another tragedy to mention here. We have to mention them to get things to change. Uh, Here's the email uh, from an anonymous uh, listener. In April of 2017, my husband, who was riding, helmeted on his motorcycle, was hit by a semi-driver was looking at his phone and turned left across four lanes and killed him. It impacts our family every day. 
Okay, we'll pick this up when we come back. Distracted driving, more specifically legislation uh, being debated uh, to restrict uh, cell phone use, make our roads and highways more safety, more uh, safer. Join us uh, with your experience um, and your opinion. 1-866-780-9100, 1-866-780-9100, or river to river at iowapublicradio.org. Back in just a moment. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Back with more River to River from IPR News. I'm Ben Kiefer today talking about distracted driving and legislation uh, that um, uh, is being discussed at the state statehouse um, uh, and that could improve safety on our roads and highways for other drivers, for bicyclists, for pedestrians. Dan McGee is with us, director of the Driving Safety Research Institute at the UI. Mark Wyatt, executive director of the Iowa Bicycle Coalition. Lots of callers uh, to, to get to here. Let's go to Bill in Sac City. Bill, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you, Ben, for taking my call. And I just wanted to relate a personal experience that uh, really has affected me. Uh, I usually try to avoid being distra- a distracted driver. However, about one month ago, I made an exception, and I was driving uh, my pickup south of Carroll in a hilly rural area on Highway 71 with very little traffic. I was scrolling through my contacts as I was getting ready to make a phone call, and I came up over the hill probably doing about 60 miles an hour, and uh, there was a car stopped waiting to make a left-hand turn off the highway. And to prevent an accident, I had to pull off on the right shoulder to go around that car to avoid a rear-end collision uh, of that vehicle ahead of me. Mm. Uh, there was literally no time to brake, and uh, since then I have changed my behavior. Uh, and I am in favor of more restrictions as I almost seriously hurt or possibly killed someone else. My hope is that any legislation is not watered down to the extent that renders it essentially ineffective. And yeah. when I think about it, uh, that incident, if I had if I had been a split second later, I would have at the very least be living, you know, with that guilt uh, probably on a daily basis. So I hope the legislation has some teeth in it. Yeah. Bill, thank you for that experience. You know, it's those experiences we have to hear about. Those are life-changing experiences uh, that Bill just described here. We've all had them, his case there with cell phone use, saying, no, do not do that uh, ever again. And we're getting such an outpouring of callers and emails this hour. You know, if you have a legislator, a state senator, or a state representative who may need to be convinced that something needs to be done, why not send them this podcast, which will be posted uh, tomorrow, later this week, uh, River to River, uh, because there is a tremendous outpouring of people who say, and I don't think there's any disagreement with legislators among legislators that there is there, Dan, you've, you've been in kind of that there's something needs to be done or is there? I mean, are there just saying people saying, nope, uh, uh, we don't need to change the current laws. There is that opinion. Yeah, I think, you know, as we all know, we we all think we're a, a better driver than the other person. And I think that phenomenon applies to use of the cell phone. I've talked to any number of legislators who say, you know, I have a three-hour drive back to my district and I need to work. And uh, this is a time I can do it. And I'm a safer driver than that person that's swerving all over the road. <laughs> all right. Let's go to Tom in Cedar Rapids. Hi, Tom. Welcome to the program. 
Hi, Ben. Thanks for taking my call. Sure thing, Tom. Um, what I'd like to compare this to is back in my youth when seatbelts were in cars and it was an insult to the driver if you used it. And then, you know, over time, we saw increased use of seatbelts until now it's within our technology. You got to buckle it or you hear a buzzer. But the way we got there as a society and with cell phone use, we are talking about changing society's ways is that you had laws on the books. You showed it being enforced. Pictures of people getting ticketed for not wearing their seatbelts. And there we got about 90% compliance in this country for using seatbelts. With the technology, crashes can definitely be investigated for the exact moment that OnStar knows I've been in a crash and when I was using my cell phone. So uh, I'm thinking that you know, we get the laws that we want to do, and that's all good, but we have to show the populace the enforcement of those laws before we'll see an actual mindset change. Yeah, Tom, that's a good point, incremental, and, and, and Dan McGee, he mentioned that before. And whenever you put a new law here, uh, when there's sufficient critical mass, you will still have people uh, who will say, you're messing with my liberty, right? <laughs> yeah, but I think what Tom's really getting at is what's called social norms. Mm. And so we know, uh, you know, wearing a seatbelt is is a normal thing now. And yeah. one of the we, what we want to do is change things quickly. And if we can remember back not too long ago in Iowa, uh, smoking in restaurants was allowed. And we changed that pretty quickly. Now, when you sm smell a cigarette smoke uh, anywhere near a restaurant, we're sort of immediately assaulted you know, by our senses. So we need to figure out how to change the norm uh, around uh, yeah, the, the norm in public places is exactly. not to have to smell someone else's cigarette. Exactly. Yeah, good point. Jim and Spencer, welcome to the program, Jim. Hi. Hi. You okay, have... so, yes? Yeah, go ahead. You had an experience to share. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, I was driving exactly as ordained by law. I was following a vehicle, like a cube truck, on a divided highway. And at the last possible second, this truck pulled into the inside lane because there was a slowing vehicle with a trailer that was turning to the right. And if I hadn't been watching directly in front of me, I wouldn't have had that split second to brake and shift to the left. I would have easily been killed by running into this trailer. There was just, there was no, no room for error whatsoever. If I'd had a phone with me, if I'd been distracted in any way messing with my radio, I'd be dead. You know, so the idea that, you know, people can use their phone as they drive in any kind of traffic, you know, is, is really expecting too much of a human being. And, and I was hit on my bike in a similar situation. This guy was just looking off to the side and gave it the gas and drove right over me. So, you know, the idea that, you know, people can do two things at once and one of them is drive a big, heavy machine when there's people about, it just, it can't be considered. Yeah, 
Jim, thanks for relaying that experience. It's glad you're still around. Uh, we'll go to Mark after we go to Dan. Dan has a comment about uh, Jim's. Yeah, what uh, Jim is saying is really critical in the sense that it's really the ill-timed glance away from the roadway mm-hmm. uh, that is the big problem. And uh, that's really what the smartphone has, especially if you look at how many different features we're using on our smartphones so that ill-timed glance away from the road is really the critical one. Mark, you have a comment about what Jim had to say. You know, some of the things that we've heard anecdotally is, is that uh, kids, uh, students, or uh, young drivers that live over on the eastern part of the state near the river, when they cross over the border into another state where the laws are more strict, they will hide their phones So because they know they're going to get caught uh, on potentially a ticket. Uh, but they're lax about it here yeah. in this state. And then we've seen some studies, uh, Oregon and Washington in particular, where crashes were reduced significantly when this hands-free law went into effect. So yeah. I think that's uh, I think that's important that we do yeah. have some statistics to back this up. Yeah, to, to back it up, talk to any um, police officer, or Iowa State Patrol officer, uh, what they see when they're in their in their doing in their car in their marked car versus when they're a private citizen driving around. As a private citizen, they'll see all kinds of cell phones in use by drivers. Now, in the marked car, those cell phones, those smartphones disappear, right, uh, Mark? Uh, uh, We know we shouldn't be doing it, uh, and we aren't perhaps quite clear on the on the laws and we do have you know different laws in different states uh, let me share this email from Courtney uh, from Urbandale um, Courtney writes hi I want to comment about the impact of distracted drivers on motorcyclists we spent many years motorcycling through Iowa and the western states as the use of smartphones became the norm and SUVs and trucks with tinted windows took over the streets and highways we had more and more events where people drifted towards us and nearly ran us off the road Motorcycles need to be super vigilant, and we were. But if you're hit on a motorcycle, even wearing helmets and practicing safe driving, there's a high chance you'll be killed or seriously injured. Right, Dan? Yeah, absolutely. There's really no such thing as a fender bender when you're riding a, a motorcycle or a bicycle. I wanted to, to, to steer this conversation a little bit toward the end to, to perhaps in, in a positive note, because Dan, and we'll talk about this in the future on a future show, about all the innovations, and we've noticed them in the, the latest cars, if you're, you're lucky enough uh, in a position to buy some of these latest cars. We have a lot of new safety technology that's really making a difference that will warn you uh, not to change lanes. Hey, there's a car there in your blind spot or having these backup cameras, which have to be like the best innovation in the last 10 years. I'll just throw that out there. Dan McGee, he talked more broadly about how technology is making us safer on the road. Yes, it is. Absolutely. The data that are coming back from today's advanced driver assistance systems are are coming back to be very positive. And what's exciting about it is that we've been on the front of the spear in the development and testing of these technologies now for 30 years. And so the University of Iowa is unique uh, among our university peers and in the auto industry to really be ahead of that work. And you're right. So if you walk out to any parking lot at the grocery store and you look at a bank of cars, you'll see a number of them that have these little little trapezoid windows uh, on the top of their uh, windscreens in the center. And that's a computer vision system. If you look at their bumpers, you might see a little three by three uh, square. It's a radar system. Uh, you might look at the bumper and see these little buttons. Those are ultrasonic sensors that help when you park, that you don't run into a pedestrian or the car ahead or behind you. 
all of these things uh, are, add up to a much safer vehicle. And especially when you take a look at the crashworthiness, the physical structure of the car today is much safer. So there's many, many technologies that go into today's car. Yeah. With new technologies, that's change. And, uh, you know, we humans often resist change. So there's an education component to, to working with this technology, isn't there, Dan? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, we spearheaded a national education campaign around these advanced driver assistant technologies uh, called My Car Does What? dot org, <laughs> uh, and we've had uh, with the National Safety Council as our partner uh, over six billion media impressions. Uh, from that campaign. So it's been very successful. Mm -hmm. I said this uh, at the outset of the program, so I want to make good on this uh, program because we, in our news, we have a lot of self-driving uh, car news that we have in recent uh, months. Um, you know, Tesla's been in the news, lawsuits against Tesla. Yes. You know, who is, who is, for instance, uh, at fault uh, if you're Driving, if you're in a uh, self-driving uh, autonomous car, for instance, do we know the answer to that yet? Well, there are no, there are no self-driving cars on the road today, um, with the exception of a few in San Francisco and Chandler, Arizona, but not in production. Mm -hmm. uh, Elon Musk said uh, in, <clears throat> in early 2022 that he'd be shocked if his company's full self-driving technology wasn't safer than a human before the end of the year. That was in 2022. Here we are in the beginning of 2023. Um, I think he followed up in that interview. He said, being safer than a human is a low standard, not a high standard. <laughs> because he was considering things we've been talking about this year. Are you texting? Are you distracted? Are you tired? Yes. When I you're driving. All of those things uh, are important to consider, but uh, making the leap uh, to a production vehicle that can understand all contexts is a very difficult thing to do. And uh, Tesla's, and the number of fatalities in Tesla's, the number of serious crashes that have been involved have really led to this national recall by the U.S. DOT. Yeah, and uh, we had, you know, Tesla the, uh, recalling some 360 thousand vehicles with self-driving technology uh, because um, the car sometimes ignored posted speed limits, uh, blew through intersections sometimes. So the National Highway Traffic Administration, according to what I've read, has launched investigations into 35 uh, separate Tesla crashes, 19 of which were fatal since 2016. That matches with what? Yes. In fact, the National Transportation Safety Board, who we know, you know, primarily from plane crashes, are also investigating these crashes. In fact, we helped them reconstruct one crash in Mountain View, California, on the National Advanced Driving Simulator. Okay. I think that question answered itself by, you know, what, who's the better? What can we say? Or is it just an ill-formulated question? Who's, who's the safer driver, a computer or a human? Well, I think it's a complicated question. And in the case of Tesla, uh, they will still tell you that you are responsible for the safety of the car. And so when you call something full self-driving or even autopilot, it sort of connotes that there's something more there that you don't need to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mark, I wanted to have you a few final words here, some, some thoughts that you'd like to emphasize or um, notes that you haven't uh, shared with us this hour when it comes to uh, hazards on our road and, and making our road safer for bicyclists or, or everybody. Well, I think, I think we've uh, covered that, but I do want to say that we've seen some energy in the legislature this year to uh, 
to try to tackle this issue. And uh, Senate File 207 has uh, got a uh, Ways and Means uh, Committee hearing tomorrow. And uh, so we're looking forward to that. Um, we've seen a lot of different organizations that are behind this, from cell phone companies and auto manufacturers to law enforcement and, and uh, other groups. Um, so I think there's a broad part of, of Iowa that's for this. Um, and I just saw a recent poll that uh, like 83% of Iowans support uh, taking action to make Iowa a hands-free state. So mm-hmm. uh, we look forward to that energy, and uh, hopefully this results in less impacts, less people yeah. uh, that die in Iowa's roadways. That's yeah, really and it is, it is something like Iowa would be joining over a couple dozen other states in hands-free driving, wouldn't it be, Mark? Yes, yeah. I think there's 14 or 15 out there currently. So yeah. it's... Uh, it's a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan, uh, let me go to you. Do you um, how high are your hopes that the legislation will take a, an incremental step here in in uh, making it uh, safer uh, regarding uh, cell phone distractions? I think Mark is absolutely correct. I feel a different energy this year on this particular topic as well. Mm-hmm. And so the the law. Um, this, this is an incremental step, or is this the final step that needs to be taken, do you think? Well, it always can be made better. And as Mark mentioned, there's education, there's enforcement, there's you know designing hazards out of uh, these smartphones in terms of turning them off while we drive, suppressing their ringing, suppressing text messages uh, as we drive. So we need to use all those things together to yeah. really make things safer. And Mark, for those interested in getting in touch with their elected representatives, you say there's a key meeting, a committee meeting tomorrow? Yes, tomorrow, I believe at 10 a.m., the Ways and Means Committee is is, is acting. So uh, if you have the chance, uh, find your legislator on the website and, and let them know how you feel about distracted driving in Iowa. Okay. Mark Wyatt, Executive Director of the Iowa Bicycle Coalition. Dan McGeehee, Director of the Driving Safety Research Institute at the University of Iowa. Dan, there's a lot more we can talk about because you're doing so much interesting research there at your institute. We'll get to it at a future program. Thanks for coming in. And thank you, uh, Mark Wyatt. You're welcome. River to River today, produced by Danny Gear with help from Samantha McIntosh. Our executive producer is Catherine Perkins. Tomorrow, of course, Wednesday. That means it's a politics day. Hope you'll join us for that with Jim McCormick tomorrow and Chris Larimer. It's River to River from IPR News. I'm Ben Kiefer. Talk to you again tomorrow. Tomorrow.